Welcome to an inspiring message from Awaken City Church. For more information about us, visit awakencity.com.au. But in the midst of the moment that we're in here this morning, I feel that there's a strong word that God wants to bring to us today as we continue along with the thought of being created for purpose, created on purpose. And I wanted to share our foundational Scripture again. The Scripture that has founded us as we look at what it means to be created on purpose comes out of Romans chapter 8, 28. The Apostle Paul writes this, And we know that all things, can somebody say all things? One more time, all things. things. Come on, we know that all things work together for good to those who love God. Can't stop there, even though there's a comma. There's a powerful truth, no doubt. You can take that and stick that on your wall and say it every day and declare it in faith. And it is true. But the truth is so much deeper than that. The truth is so much more powerful. It goes on to say, to those who are called according to His purpose. That idea called isn't just this idea that there's an ice cream truck on the outside that's blaring at sound and you feel a compulsion to get up and blow some money so that your kids can eat sugar and be jacked up all afternoon. That word called in the original language is a direct personal invitation. It's as if Jesus Himself is not passing outside your house He's not trying to get your attention in some obnoxious way. The reality of Jesus is that He wants to meet you and extend His hand and invite you to a life of purpose. The purposes of God are only found in the response to the call. Doesn't happen the other way around. It's the response to the call that allows the opportunity for the purpose of God to flow. Jesus lived, moved, worked, on purpose, through purpose, and for a purpose in all that He did. I wanna unpack a Scripture with you today that I think is a foundational Scripture on the reality of the purposes of Jesus, a reality that still lives for us today because He wants us to encounter Him in it still. It's a foundational Scripture that picks up an account after Jesus has just begun His public ministry. For 30 years, He has lived in His families home and business and practices. And he's just been baptised by John the Baptist, his cousin, which launches him on to the preparation for public ministry. Jesus in response to this doesn't just go out and start ministering. He instead goes for 40 days and 40 nights into the wilderness. He confronts or is confronted, I should say, by Satan himself. And Satan is defeated. And Jesus comes back in the Holy Spirit and power. And it's significant that He comes back and He goes straight back into the old. He goes straight back into His hometown, but as a changed, as somebody who was operating out of the purposes of God. And we pick up the account here in Luke chapter 4, 16 to 19. I want you to listen to this. So He came to Nazareth where He'd been brought up and as was His custom, He went into the synagogue on the Sabbath day. And he stood up to read. And he was handed the book of the prophet Isaiah. And when he had opened the book, he found the place where it was written, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because He has anointed me to preach the Gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, 
to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. Today, I want to talk to you about process to purpose. Process to purpose. You know, my son, Liam, all of 10 years old, doesn't know how good he's got it. See, I can say that as his dad because he doesn't know. He doesn't know the fact that after he's finished dinner and him and his mum and I go to put the little ones down to bed, that he's able to sit down and have the television all to himself. And in that, he's able to boot up an Xbox that he normally plays video games on, on a Saturday, can't play it during the week, but he can use that device to pick and choose three or four different streaming services. And he'll go for one in particular, starts with a D and has a plus in it, Disney Plus, and he'll go there each and every time, five nights a week. And he'll go straight into his favourite movies and he'll watch them over and over and over again. I swear he knows every Marvel movie by heart. Every single one. He'll watch a bit here, a bit there, a bit here, a bit there. He knows every single one. A common topic of conversation in my household during dinner is for him to turn around and say, Dad, what's your top three Marvel movies? Every week. He just loves it. What he loves is stories about heroes. He loves stories about people overcoming great odds and becoming all that they can be. He loves it. But he's got it too good. Because at the moment he can pick whatever he wants. When I was 10 years old, my parents had this cruddy little box TV, sorry, Mum and Dad, in the back room that had no remote to it. That I remember you had to sort of get the antenna right sometimes, but it did have an old VHS tape player attached to it. And I used to remember seeing on the TV guide that used to come out in the local paper and earmarking when they would have a movie that I loved. And I would ask for permission, I would beg for permission to stay up that night, not just to watch the movie, but to record the movie <laughs> on a VHS. I'd get that sucker. I'd get that tape, $6 from Tandy. I'd pull it out of its packaging. I'd get a sticker and I would draw my approximation of the cover of that movie, the logo and the pictures and the actors on it. And I would colour it in. And then when it came time for that movie to come on, I would whack that VHS in. And I was diligent because the moment a commercial came on, I would jump for the, for the, for the screen. I'd press pause and record. And then I'd watch with bated breath when the commercial finished so I could whack on record again. So that when I watched back that movie, it was seamless. <laughs> Unless I had to go to the bathroom and I'd missed a bit. That was my life. I had this stack. I, I even had, I had a place where I stored them and it was neat. I had all these movies that I loved. I loved hero movies too. One of the movies that had the greatest impact on me when I was 10 years old was a timeless classic filmed in 1984. The story of a young teenager named Daniel. Daniel is being bullied. He's being picked on by a dude named Johnny. I'm sorry for any Johnnies in the house, but that does sound like a bully name. <laughs> I'm sorry. Daniel is being picked on by Johnny and he can't win. 
And he's got nobody to help him, no big brothers, no Jordan Tararulas to run to and say, Oi, could you knock their socks for me? And he ends up stumbling on the fact that the handyman for his local apartment is a dude that maybe knows a thing or two about defending yourself. And he goes to his handyman, a kind older gentleman, and says, please, sir, will you teach me how to defend myself? And so he enters into an agreement with the handyman. The handyman says, I will teach you, but you must do everything that I say without complaint, without issue, without pushing back. You just do. Daniel agrees to this without blinking. So the handyman says, first job, I want you to get this car, get this wax, and I want you to wax on and wax off. (laughs) Wax on, wax off. See, this handyman whose name is Mr. Miyagi. Before the Terminator, he's the man. And if you haven't seen the movie I'm talking about, you need to get it. The Karate Kid, 1984. Don't go with the reboot, come on. Forgive me, Jaden Smith. Don't go with the reboot, go with the original. Daniel learns how to wax on, wax off. And I gotta say, Daniel's character comes out in this, cussing under his breath, disappointed. What am I doing this for? And when he finishes, he goes to Mr. Miyagi. And Mr. Miyagi's response is, right, hey, here's the floors of my house. Can you sand for me? Sand the floor, sand the floor, sand the floor. He does that, grumbling. What's the next, Mr. Miyagi? When are you gonna teach me how to defend myself? All right, all right, come here to this fence. Paint up, paint down, paint up. <laughs> Paint down. All right, Mr. Miyagi. Now I gotta say, Daniel's character is well and truly on show. Daniel had no idea what he had agreed to. Wax on, wax off, sand, paint up, paint down. Next job, paint the house side to side, side to side. Mr. Miyagi is the best. He is getting the best free slave labour available. Get that job done, Mr. Miyagi. But my favourite scene in the entire movie is not the end where Daniel beats his bully. It's partway through where Daniel comes to Mr Miyagi one night and is just ropeable. Can't believe you've been making me do this junk. You've let me high and dry. And in that process, Mr Miyagi says, show me what you've learnt. Wax on, wax off, sand, paint up, paint down, paint across. And in that moment, Mr Miyagi, hey, hey, Hey! And Daniel, without even thinking about it, wax on, wax off, blocks everything, and he is now a ninja. <laughs> Daniel's son is born. The process, the process that sometimes we go through allows us to be transformed in such a way that what's inside us is equipped and comes out. When Jesus comes back from the wilderness, this is the very first thing He says publicly. This actually sets the foundation of all that He came to do. Here's what He came to do in every single one of us. He's come to preach the good news to the poor. He's come to heal the brokenhearted. He has come to give liberty to captives, sight to the blind, liberty to those who are oppressed, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. It is a process to purpose. Yeah. 
And if you allow me, I just wanna isolate what this process could be. And I promise to you, it is better and more interesting and more sustaining than waxing on and waxing off. But even in the midst of it, even in the midst of the daily mundane, God uses this to transform us into the purposes He has for us. First thing He says, Jesus, I've come to preach gospel to the poor. That word poor there doesn't just mean to be lacking in resources. Literally what it means is to be empty, to recognise lack in ourselves. Here's the truth I wanna submit to you today for yourself, that in our emotional, spiritual and physical lack, the purposes of God are to come in and fill every space to abundance. And He uses His purposes to transform us. See, I'm convinced that that sense that we sometimes get inside us, whether we know Jesus or don't know Jesus, that we're missing something, that we're, we're lacking something, is a God-given cue that you can engage with God directly and He will fill that space as He fills you. You know, in the book of Ecclesiastes chapter 3, verse 11, it says that God has put eternity in the hearts of all men. There is this burden, this emptiness, this lack that if we're, we're aware of, it will drive us to Jesus directly. Yeah. That feeling is not a bad feeling. That feeling too easily is cancelled aside with things that we seek to fill the gaps ourselves. There's no amount of Netflix that will make a difference. There's no amount of substances that will make a difference. There is no, I've got to be honest here, there's no relationship that will fill that spot for you. I'm not saying those things are bad. I'm not saying don't go there. I'm not saying you can't have that. What I'm saying is if you look to anything to fill that emptiness, it will not work. It can't work because eternity is in your heart. It was placed there by God Himself as a gift to you to drive you to Him. It all begins, this process to purpose by recognising I'm missing something. Now, if you have never encountered Jesus for yourself, that's where it begins. I am missing true life. But I do need to say to you today, whether you follow Jesus for one year, 10 years, 20 years, 30 years, those moments of lack come up in our hearts from time to time. God uses that to mature us. Don't ever run from it. Run to it and ask that God would change you through the process. It's okay to feel empty. It's okay to come to God empty and say, I need to be filled because it's out of that position that He starts to equip us. In our brokenness, sorry, let me, let me say that differently. In our brokenheartedness, He's come to make us whole. Jesus took on brokenness so that we could be made whole ourselves. In our broken heartedness, He has come to make us whole. Yeah. I remember for some strange reason, one year, I took up rugby as a sport. <laughs> I was not and am not a gifted rugby player. I remember I got on for my first game in garbage time, the last five minutes. I saved a try at the goal line simply because the dude ran into me with his head and I hugged him as I fell down. 
It's true. I held on to him for dear life. I remember going to the training session the next week and I'm picking up and I don't know what I, I can't even tell you today why I decided to sign up. But I'm there at training and I'm coming up against the best tackling forward we've got. And I thought I'm going to push him here. I have no idea why I was thinking this. I ran into him with all my strength and he did not budge. (laughs) And I think he recognised the fact that I was trying to test myself against him. And he raised me a level by picking me up and throwing me on the ground. In the process of that, that lovely gentleman dislocated my knee and finished my rugby career for me. (laughs) See, if I'd then decided to live the rest of my life with a dislocated knee, I may have been able to do some stuff, but I would always walk around limited and held back. I needed that knee to be put back into place, even though it hurt as much as when it happened. Do you know in our brokenheartedness as we come to Jesus, it's the purpose of God to use that pain to heal us. Don't be surprised when He pushes our buttons and doesn't allow us to dodge and weave and get away. He wants to point the issues of the heart. He wants to expose insecurity. He wants to expose the wounds from the past that we carry. See, the literal word brokenheartedness there means to carry a bruise. So many people live their lives carrying the bruise like it's luggage on the inside of them. The reality is that the process and purpose of Jesus is to take those bruises and remove them by bringing wholeness. And it may hurt in the process, Because in that process, we realise and recognise what we've had done to us or what we've experienced. But if we allow Jesus to invade that space, He removes the damage and He brings healing. The purpose of Jesus is to bring wholeness. Talks about in our captivity God's purposes are to bring freedom. You know, the word captivity means literally a prisoner of war. So many of us, me included, have lived our lives prisoners of wars. But see, I think we've gotten a misunderstanding of what war we're fighting in. Sometimes we think that the war is against people. That I must spend my time fighting, pushing back, fighting for what's mine. Defending, defending, defending in an aggressive way where the Scripture teaches us to be a peacemaker. As much as it depends upon you, Scripture says, live at peace with all people. Scripture challenges us that as you have been forgiven, forgive as well. So how can our war be against people? You do not struggle against flesh and blood, the Scripture says. You do not struggle against that. So how can our war be with people? And then we think, well, our war is with the enemy. Our war is with Satan himself, that we're fighting a a, a battle with him, pushing against it. But here's the reality of that, that you'll learn tonight at Freedom Now. The reality is that Jesus has already defeated the enemy. He's disarmed principalities and powers and He has seated you in heavenly places with Christ Jesus now, whether you feel it or not. So the war isn't with people. The war isn't necessarily with Satan, although we have to enforce the victory. What's the war with? It's with our minds. It's with the lies that we believe about ourselves and about other people. 
Captivity is to live trapped in our own imagination. Vain, purposeless, lost. Scripture tells us in 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 5, to cast down those sort of things in ourselves, to submit them to God and say, I will not live by an imagination that is against you and against your purposes. Against, I'll submit myself to you and allow you to shape me in the process. He wants to give you freedom from all forms of captivity, to take stock of where our thoughts go, the cycles and ruts that we so easily fall into. And in His grace and in His love, lead us into the purposes that He has available. He wants to free us from captivity. It's okay to feel it lack. He wants to feel it. It's okay to be brokenhearted from times, but allow Him to bring wholeness. It's okay to have been captive, but don't stay there. Allow Him to lead you to victory. In our blindness, God's purposes are to restore and redirect. That word literally there that Jesus read out, that He's come to restore sight to the blind, I thought blind there does not just mean physically, it means mentally as well. The original word in the Greek language there that Jesus is saying is to live life in a haze, in a perpetual smoky fog, blind to the purposes that God has available now. How easy is it to descend to that level of living? We just feel confusion and a lack of direction and we don't know where to set our foot. That's where anxiety builds up from. A fear of knowing what step can I make that's safe. The purpose of Jesus is to meet you in that and restore sight to you. Scripture says in the book of Ephesians that He wants to open the eyes of your understanding to reveal His goodness to you. We don't have to live in the fog. We don't have to live in the haze. To discover the purposes of God means that we come to Him in those moments and we just say, would you lead me through? And it's even in that, as you pause, going about your day and invite Jesus into whatever you're experiencing, I promise you, He will meet you there and shed light on the situation and circumstance. Does not mean that like a genie, it's gone. Scripture actually promises us in the book of Isaiah that He will make ways in the wilderness and streams in the desert. Here's what that literally means for you. This is the promise for you. That the wilderness is a place where there is no navigation, there is no direction, there is no everywhere at once, where do I go? He makes a road in the wilderness. That means that Jesus by His Spirit cuts through the crud and the tangles and the mess and the traps and He invites you to follow Him on a road that He's cutting just ahead of you. To be a disciple, to be a follower of Jesus just means that we're one step behind Him. Jesus will only ever travel at the pace that you're willing to follow. And He will pause and wait until we're willing to redirect ourselves again to go. Let's go through the way in the wilderness. Streams in the desert means that at times He'll supernaturally just cut a path. It seems impossible for anything to push through. And you can ride those waves all the way down. 
He wants to restore your sight for yourself and for those that you are called to influence. In oppression, God's purpose is to liberate us. So we need never go back to that state again. To be oppressed here means to be broken into pieces. This speaks to the work of Satan himself. You know, Satan cannot rob you of your salvation, but he will do everything he can to rob you of your effectiveness. He wants to strip you of the confidence that is your birthright in Christ Jesus to make a difference this side of eternity and cause you to believe a lie that things will get better when I'm in heaven. No, we are called to bring heaven to earth. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be Your name. Your kingdom come, Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. That is the birthright of Your prayer. Jesus taught people to pray that themselves. That's Your prayer. That belongs to You. So in that, oppression has no place. Dismantle the lies, rebuke Satan. Jesus is the example. He did it. He's showing you, modelling how you can do it too. Live in freedom. Jesus said all that so that He could make the boldest statement of all. The boldest statement of all. To proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. That's a loaded statement because that's talking about something that the Old Testament carried called the year of Jubilee. The year where everything lost, everything given away, everything handed over is restored back to you in full. Here's the purpose of Jesus, for you to live your life on display so that you radiate the goodness of God. I know you feel like you're waxing on and waxing off. I know you feel like you're painting up and painting down. I know you feel like you're just sanding the floor with your head down. I know that you're feeling like I'm just going side to side to side. Jesus, why am I doing this? Why won't you show me how to live? But as you allow Him to work the process in you, you become who you were called to be. And if you allow Jesus to do that, you will live a life on display that will cause others to encounter the love of God as well. Final Scripture comes out of the Gospel of John, chapter 9, verse 3. I want you to listen to this. Now, as Jesus passed by, He saw a man who was blind from birth. And His disciples asked Him, saying, Rabbi, who sinned? This man or his parents? It's always got to be somebody's fault that he was born blind. Jesus answered, neither this man nor his parents sinned, but that the works of God shall be revealed in him. Here's what Jesus did with that. He knelt down and grabbed some dirt from the ground. Dirt, dirt, spat on it with his spit. Social distance, that. (laughs) Rubs it together. Smears it over this dude's eyes. Could you imagine being this guy who's blind from birth, hearing the stories about Jesus, a miracle walker, worker, and coming to him and having dirt smeared on your face? <laughs> Jesus then says to him, I want you to go bathe in the pool Shalom, which literally means sent. I'm sending you to send you. 
goes into the pool, he bathes, and the Scriptures simply say, simply say, he came back seen. At what point did he get his sight back? It was as he allowed Jesus to do this process of transformation in him. Jesus didn't do this again. At other times, he just healed people, laid hands. Other times, he responded to their faith and said, your faith has made you well. Here's the point. Jesus meets you where you are at. And He has the purpose, purposed process directly created for you to take you on a journey of growth and transformation if you'll meet Him where He's at. And this is all possible because Jesus came back in the Holy Spirit and power and said, the Spirit of the Sovereign Lord is upon me. Bang, 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 bang process to purpose. Thanks for listening to this message. We hope it has blessed you. If you would like to find out more about Awaken City Church, visit awakencity.com.au.